You may be seated. You may be seated. Ah, what a powerful time in worship. Thank you guys for worshiping with us, lifting up the name of the Lord. Ah, so good to be amongst family. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's, it's, uh, it's been a little bit of a, a tough morning for our nation. Um, Ricardo already kind of recapped about what's going on in the nation, but uh, we, if you um, have been following along with your mission info cards like good little boys and girls, you, you would know that we we're supposed to start a series called God-Sized Dreams today, and uh, we kind of met impromptu um, as a preaching team. I actually can't wait to get to the God-Sized Dreams series because we have some really fun stuff planned, and so that's still coming up next, but we got together as a little impromptu teaching team meeting uh, last week, like right before service, and just decided, like, you know, through the Lord's leading, that we that something else in this moment in time, right now, was uh, was more important for us to discuss. And and so we are going to get back to God-sized dreams here shortly. We're, but we're, today we're beginning a uh, short micro series of of two weeks called "We Are One." And it's all about peace and unity within the body of Christ. And so, um, so yeah, so through the Lord's leading, we just felt like this was more important to discuss. So please forgive the, the, the info card being um, out of date. But, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a tough couple months for our nation, you know, and I'm not talking about the election. <laughs> you know, I've, <laughs> for one, you know I, I'm talking about the fact that... Uh, Division is running wild right now. Racial tensions that are, are at an extreme level. Fear is at an all-time high. Trust is at an all-time low. And maybe the most disturbing thing is that hate has a significantly louder voice right now than love does. The last several weeks in our country, if you don't know, if you haven't been following the news, you, you know... Uh, you may not know that there have been several devastating acts of violence within the last few months in our borders. And in Orlando, 49 people were shot and killed. And at least 52 more people were wounded in, in an act of hate towards the homosexual community. And though the act was deemed an act of terror, it kind of still split our country down the middle as far as the way we responded. Um, I actually... I have some friends who are who are gay, and, and uh, reading some of the responses to the event, written by believers and non-believers, like really shocked me and, and hurt my heart, you know, for my friends. And and two weeks ago in Baton Rouge, while being arrested, police officers shot and killed an African American man named Alton Sterling. This event sent shock waves through the nation and stirred up all kinds of racial tension and. The following day in Falcon Heights, Minnesota, a police officer shot and killed Philando Castile during a traffic stop. And the aftermath of this event was actually streamed live on Facebook, believe it or not. And, and then on Thursday, that same week, during a peaceful Black Lives Matter protest, a man named Micah Johnson fatally shot five police officers while wounding seven other officers and two civilians with a sniper rifle. And all these events happened 
in a little over a month. Three of them within the same week. And just this morning, like literally hours ago, you may not know about this, around 9 a.m. in Baton Rouge, at least, the last numbers I heard, at least two more police officers were shot and killed and at least seven more injured um, where a protest was happening and details of the most recent event are still rolling in. But guys, this is just heartbreaking. Violence is not the answer. More violence is not the answer. Does anybody feel that right now? Like, as a nation? Like, can, can we... Can, uh, yeah. Woo. You know, it, it's easy to say, you know, all lives matter. You know, it's, it's really easy to say that. But there's obviously something broken right now in, in, in these specific people groups. And... You know, when we go to the, the doctor and we say, oh, doc, I got a broken bone. He doesn't say, oh, well, you have all the other bones. All bones matter. You know, you're like, doc, I got a broken. I need this one bone needs some attention, right? Like, and I feel like that's the perspective we have to have as, as, as you know, as a country, you know, as a nation is that, yes, black lives matter. Yes, police lives matter. Yes. You know, violence is not the answer. Can I can I get an amen for that, right? <laughs> God forgive us. Jesus. Jesus help us. The, with all this violence breaking out, with all this hate being spread, and not only spread, but massively amplified by social media, uh, a lot of people are just feeling emotionally exhausted. Uh, almost like, what? is the point. Hope seems in such short, short supply with our nation in such disrepair, it's easy to begin to lose hope. But guys, we can't lose hope. We cannot lose hope because we, um, <laughs> because we are believers. The church, uh, we, we hold the key to hope. You may not know it, but the church, believers, hold the key it is in times like this that we remind ourselves that our hope isn't found in a nation. It's found in a cross that was meant for punishment, but that brought peace. It's found in an empty tomb that was supposed to be filled with the stench of death, but instead had signs of life. Our hope is found in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is where our hope comes from. Romans 10, 11 through 13. You don't need to turn there. We're just going to be here for a minute. Um, Romans 10, 11 through 13. For the Scriptures say, whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Who is He Lord of? All. all right. Abounding in riches... For all who call on His name, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if anyone can call on the name of Jesus and be saved, this hope can be accessed by anyone and everyone. No distinctions. And we believe that here at the mission. We believe that there is 
that there is nothing more capable of causing transformation in a person's life than the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that transformation will affect our entire lives, especially how we view other people. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Galatians, makes a very bold statement about who we are supposed to be as believers in Jesus Christ. And spoiler alert, the cliff notes of of this verse are, are basically that we are one in Christ Jesus. So that... so. That means we're supposed to have supernatural unity among believers, right? So turn with me to uh, Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 28. In this letter to the churches in Galatia, Paul writes these words. And, and, uh, and this is going to be our main scripture for the day. And, and man, if you don't already have it highlighted, this is a great verse. These are some great words to highlight in your Bible. Um, or your eye device, whichever. <laughs> um, so Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 28. Um, For you are all sons of God through faith in, Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul speaks of unity here, and unity, I believe, is the solution to the turmoil facing our nation. But here's the thing, is that perfect unity is is only available through Jesus. Jesus calls His believers to a supernatural unity that will shock the world The unity that breaks all barriers and is a reflection of the unity that we have with God. And this unity is not just on paper. It goes beyond theory and into our lives as we learn to put away our racial, political, cultural, ethnic, social biases, etc., (laughs) etc. And replace them with, wait for it, gospel truth. As our bond grows stronger, we live in peace in the midst of trials of the world as we await the coming glory of the Messiah. The verse that we just read in Galatians gives three specific examples of division, if you notice. Uh, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, So the divisions in this verse, the divisions, the three examples that he gives are cultural, status, and gender. Cultural, status, and gender. And uh, if you can believe it, it's kind of hard to believe, but in, in this day and age that this was being written, many Jewish men would greet every morning by lifting up a prayer saying, Lord, thank you that I am not a Gentile. Which is everyone who's not Jewish, right? So, so thank you I am not a Gentile. Thank you I'm not a slave. Thank you I'm not a woman. That's how they would start their mornings. And uh, it's pretty, pretty shocking. Um, so Paul saying this statement, right? This, this statement, like to say that it may have stepped on some toes, like... 
That's probably an understatement, right? <laughs> right? Like, but Jesus himself, during the, his time on earth, kicked down the doors of each of those examples of division, crossing socially acceptable lines and serious cultural division, right? And, and so let's break that verse down a bit in Galatians 3.28. Uh, start, uh, let's start out with a cultural example. Uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek. And another way to think about this is, is that there is neither Jew nor Gentile. And remember, Gentiles are just anybody who's not Jewish, right? And this, this, whoa. this, uh, this reminds me actually of, of an encounter that Jesus had with a Roman officer in the book of Luke. And uh, we can find that story in Luke 7, 1 through 10. Um, up until this point, Jesus has dealt exclusively with Jewish people. But this story marks the turning point, right? So Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Um, this is Jesus they're speaking about. When he had completed all his discourse in, hearing, in the hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum. And a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this to him, for he loves our nation, and it was he who built us our synagogue. For Jesus, now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was not far from the house. The centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am... I also am a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. So let's set the scene. First, I want you to think about the people in, that are involved in this miraculous account. Uh, you have some Jewish elders, right? You have a Roman centurion, and, and he, he was uh, not only a Gentile, but he was a centurion, which means he was in charge of at least a hundred men. Um, and a slave. These people were from very different racial, religious backgrounds and vastly different standings on the social ladder. A man of authority and power, the centurion, hears of Jesus' healing power, right? He is uncertain how Jesus would respond to him uh, coming to Jesus personally. So he sends some, some Jewish elders that he has a relationship with, which in itself is just extremely rare. Uh, remember the prayer I told you about, the, the Jewish man prayer when they woke up? Like, yeah, that was the more common attitude between Jews and Gentiles. But, but in this case, the Roman centurion was respected among the Jewish community. And the, the Jewish elders go to Jesus on his behalf. They ask him to come and heal 
the officer's servant. And of course, Jesus goes with him. But more men come along as they were headed to the house and, and they tell Jesus not to trouble himself another step. I love what the officer says at the tail end of verse 6. It says, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. And what is Jesus' response? What's his response? Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. This man who is not even Jewish, who Jesus by all social guidelines shouldn't even be associating with, recognizes Jesus' authority over heaven and earth. This man believes that as he has authority over men. Jesus has the authority to say a single word and his servant would be healed. This was astounding faith for anyone, much less a Roman military man. And Jesus stops to marvel at the officer's faith and says, not even among my own people have I seen such faith. There is neither Jew nor Greek in Christ Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Greek in Christ Jesus. And, and if you remember what the next example of division was that Paul gave in Galatians 3.28, it was, there is neither slave nor free man. And as we just discussed, this Roman soldier was coming to Jesus for the healing of his slave. With a single word, Jesus healed him. Jesus sees past all the converging social barriers of society and goes straight to a sick man's needs. And for our purposes today, that's what I like calling two, killing two birds with one stone. <laughs> there is neither slave nor free man in Christ Jesus. Say it with me. There is neither slave nor free man in Christ Jesus. The third point of division that Paul uses as an example in Galatians 3.28 is that there is neither male nor female. What an incredibly wild thing to say for Paul, right? Back in the time when Paul was writing this letter to the church in Galatia, men were, shall we say, definitely the priority in society, right? Uh, if you were an unmarried woman, you were not allowed to leave the home of your father without permission. If you were a married woman, you were not allowed to leave the, the, the home of your husband without permission, which is kind of how Kim and I work, honestly. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Don't tell her I said that. Don't tell her I said that. Okay. <laughs> married, oh uh, yeah, I said that one. Um, they were normally restricted to roles of little or no authority. They could not testify in court. They could not appear in public venues. They were not allowed to talk to strangers, right? Like, so 
as you can see, Paul is writing to a very like male-dominated society and yet makes this bold statement that even men and women are one in Christ Jesus. The gender barrier is another division that, that Jesus crossed a handful of times, and he, he boldly crossed it. Uh, one short story that comes to mind in particular is the account of the woman with the demon-possessed daughter. And the account of that, if you want to read along, or it'll be on the screen, the, the account of that is in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Jesus has a very odd conversation with this woman. Um, not to mention that his disciples advised him just to ignore her and walk away. And Because not only was she a woman, but she was a Gentile, which in Jewish culture, made her very, very objectionable. But as Jesus speaks to this woman, her faith in Jesus is revealed and becomes clear. And, and so let's read this, Matthew 15, uh, 20, beginning at 22. And a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. <laughs> I think that's funny for some reason. I don't know why. Send her away because she keeps shouting at us. But he answers and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, is it, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Did Jesus just call her a dog? But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said, O oh woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Uh, after what we discussed about how this society viewed women, can you imagine what the people around Jesus must have been thinking? Like, some were probably shocked. You know, no doubt, like, some were probably outraged, right? But that didn't stop Jesus from doing the compassionate thing, right? And sometimes I think doing the compassionate thing is what shocks the world most. Doing the compassionate thing sometimes is what shocks the world most because the heart of God is compassionate. And, and sometimes doing, like, I just think, I mean, think about this story. This very persistent Gentile woman comes to Jesus asking for him to heal her demon-possessed daughter. And it may seem like Jesus insults her, right? Like, and, and, and that feels kind of weird, right? Um, uh, in verse 26, he says, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wow, that's cold, Jesus. But he, he isn't insulting her. He's testing her. She would have been called a dog or worse by Jewish men her whole life. And Jesus wants to test her faith and show others that it's for real. But even Jesus' tests doesn't uh, sway this woman's face. She, she just fires right back in faith-filled humility. And she says in verse 27, Yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. 
Jesus marveled at this Gentile woman's faith and healed her daughter at once. There is neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. Can you say that with me? There is neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. Now, if these stories show us anything about unity, it's that we can't trust society to provide it. And that's because true unity is only available through Jesus Christ. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we the church are called to be in perfect unity. Galatians 3.26-28 again, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed, clothed yourselves in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one. We are one. We are called to set the example of unity for the rest of the world. Over the years, people have tried to twist this verse into meaning that, that this is saying that we need to all be the same. But Paul is clearly not advocating the elimination of distinctions with this verse. Because... In other places in the Bible, Paul, com Paul commands both Jew and Gentile, master and slave, men and women, differently. Right? Differently. Paul isn't trying to say that we should all be the same. Because that would be impossible, especially between men and women, right? I can think of about a zillion ways men and women are different. Like, for instance, one knows the difference between like a dish towel and a hand towel, and one doesn't, Right? Amen. Amen, right? Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Paul's not calling for the removal of distinctions among us. He's calling for the removal of all division. Paul is calling us to unity. Now get this. Paul is calling us to unity within diversity. Unity within diversity. Not sameness. Not sameness. Unity within diversity. That is where we in Christ Jesus are all uniquely one. Because as believers, we clothe ourselves in Christ. To be a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to fit into a certain mold. You don't even have to like Michael W. Smith if you don't like him. You don't have to like that guy. Right? You don't have to fit into a certain mold. But the thing that binds us together in true unity is the covering of Jesus Christ on our lives. Unity within diversity. That's the kingdom of God. This unity still holds true today. Whether you're black or white, police officer or civilian, Republican or Democrat, whether you like Fruity Pebbles or uh, Frosted Flakes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there you go. Uh, unity goes beyond theory. And sometimes I feel like Christians are more worried 
about proving that their views are right than they are loving the person that they're speaking to. Because if... (laughs) I said, sometimes I feel like Christians are more worried about proving that their views are right than loving the person they're speaking to. And we as people of faith have got, got, got to work on that. I mean, right now. Because if being right about our preconceived notions getting in the, is getting in the way of mourning with those in the midst of loss, we need to renew our minds, as Romans 12 says. We need to renew our minds in Christ Jesus because our mind is not right. And can I just say that, and I'm just going to throw this out there as a freebie, okay? No one has ever won a Facebook fight. Right? No one has ever won a Facebook fight. No person ever saw a picket line and decided, oh man, you know what? I really need to turn my life around. Like, this idea that boycotting against everything that we don't agree with is madness. And I'm not saying that we just roll over and let our faith principles go. But I am saying that there is a way, now catch this, there is a way to disagree and still make the other person feel loved and not like the enemy. There is a way to disagree in a peaceful manner that makes everybody leave loved. And sometimes I feel like we even get that wrong amongst ourselves as believers. I can't even tell you how many times I've had to deal with that situation amongst believers. So if we can't get it right with each other, then how are we supposed to get it right with someone who's different than us? Like someone who's homosexual or Muslim or, or whatever. See, true unity is visible. As the church, we have the responsibility to show the world this unity that breaks our preconceived non-biblical notions and yet yields in love. We then drop our notions at the door and say, I count my biases, politics, race as, as loss next to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. The rest of this nation, like the result, I mean, the result of this in our nation would be astounding. Anybody recognize that? So as the worship team comes, I just want to say a couple of more things. This is the kind of faith community that we have tried to build here at the mission. I've been here since the first day of the mission, and we started the mission from the very beginning, and we wanted it to be a place where no matter who you are, no matter what color your skin is, no matter what gender you are, no matter what country you come from, Puerto Rico in the house? (laughs) Yes! Right? Right? No matter what country you come from, No matter whether you're rich or you don't have two nickels to rub together, we wanted this place to be a place, a home 
for you. A multicultural, multi-generational home for you. A place where you can thrive in a caring community. A place where you can dive headlong into the deep, deep love that the Father has for you. And just let me say that, you know, if you'd rather be in a church that is full of people just like you, then then hear me out on this. Sincerely, like sincerely from my heart, like we bless you. But this may not be the church for you. This may not be the church for you. If 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 because because in this church, in, in this house, we celebrate unity within diversity. In this house, we mourn with those who mourn despite our differences. In this house, we celebrate that unity that is within diversity. And if Jesus was willing to die on a cross to wash away the sins of anyone, all who called upon His name, then that is a hill I am willing to die on. We stand up in this church. We stand up for those who face injustice despite our differences. And sometimes I feel like we, as the church of Christ, need to do a better job of following the example of Christ. The examples we study today are a really good place to start. Because Jesus didn't just say all lives matter, right? He said Gentiles' lives matter. Jesus didn't say all lives matter. He said that Jewish lives matter. Jesus didn't say all lives matter. He said that children's lives matter. Instead of saying all lives matter, Jesus said that lepers' lives matter. Jesus didn't say all lives matter. He said that women's lives matter. And so on, and so on, and so on. And how dare we do any less? Let's pray. Father God, you've uniquely created each and every one of us, Lord. You've given each of us a voice and a stage, Lord. A unique voice, a unique stage. Father, within our differences, Lord, unite us like never before. Let the churches across this nation, let the believers across this nation unite under the banner of Jesus Christ. Let us pick up the call, Lord.
Father, let us not just profess words, but let us move in action. Thank you for this time in your presence in Jesus' presence.